Hello, folks out there. This episode of the podcast is partnered by Audible. Greg, you know what I love about Audible? What do you love about Audible, I don't have to pick up a book anymore and carry it around with me. In fact, I carry it around in my phone, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They literally keep thousands of titles right on your phone, accessible at any time, when you're driving, when you're cooking, when you're mowing the lawn, changing a diaper, doesn't matter. It's all right there at your fingertips, John. They've got podcasts, they've got lectures, they've got some like health and wellness and like fitness series on there that if you just are looking for something to fill that gap, like you're not getting into a book right now, it's all there for you, man. If you're a member, Greg, what's cool about it is you get three titles per month. The first one, you can pick whatever you want. Like I've said, I'll probably start hitting up some of those health and wellness books. And then what's awesome is they have two Audible exclusives exclusives folks you can't get it anywhere else it's true that is very true so if you guys want to get on the audible train you can go to audibletrial.com slash j-a-t-g that stands for johnny and the greg hook yourself up with a 30-day free trial no promises no nothing if you don't like it which i can't imagine you're not going to like it um it, you can cancel at any time but the great thing about that is the books you get during your free trial or if at any time those books are yours like you get to keep them you can listen to them non-stop anytime all the time sounds like a deal to me man so if you guys are smart like i know you guys are because you already listened to this podcast sign yourself up guys what do you got to lose it's 30-day free trial yeah. and it's books it's knowledge you gotta drink it up it is so one more time, it is audibletrial.com slash J-A-T-G. Boom. Johnny and the Greg back again. We have a guest. So excited. Greg. It finally happened, John. It did. We've been, we've been teasing this for a th- well over a month. I, we, uh, have, yeah. we finally got the chef. Uh, got chef Chris was able to clear, clear up his schedule and uh, come on and talk, chat with us. Um, even when we hit that one hour mark, I was like, do we end it? And they're like, no, let's keep going. So we kept going. So we got a, we got a big show for you guys today. Yeah. Big show two hours, but believe me guys, it's good. We go through a little bit of the chef's history. Um, kind of what gets him going to be creative. He's very, very cool guy. And then the let the later hour, I felt like we got to know him on a personal level. He starts, guys, he's going to help you with burger recipes that you can do on your grill, yes. chicken recipes on your grill. That's mm-hmm. at the last hour. So you have to buckle in. I'm talking to you, Marshall. You have to <laughs> buckle in and listen to this for two hours. It was a great time. I had a great blast. Great time. So what's his last name? Because I always, I'm going to mess that up. Oh, I we were just calling him Chef Chris. Yeah. <laughs> but he's at Coco's in Oconomowoc. Yes. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm looking on my phone because I, I know it's, I want to say Gehobel, but I, I know that's not it. Um, so we'll just say Chef Chris. Yes, please. <laughs> at Coco Steakhouse. Hit it. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> Hello, 
Hello, hello, everybody out there. Thank you so much for listening. Wherever you are, however you're listening, we appreciate it. Please, please like and subscribe. It would really help us out. Greg, how you doing yeah. today, buddy? I'm doing all right, John. How are you? I'm excited, Greg, because we actually have a guest, another guest. And this is <laughs> a guy funny. we've been trying to get on for yes. a while. It's happening. Yes, yes. Um, Greg, who do we got? We have Chef Chris with us today. So a uh, little bit of background on why I wanted to have him on. And Chef Chris, welcome. Um, Thank you. So it was back in April uh, for my birthday dinner. Uh, my, you know, we have heard of Coco's in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin for a long time. And it's uh, pretty close to where we live. And she's like, what do we want to do for your birthday dinner? And the thing about April is that it could be great weather or it could be shitty weather. It's one or the other. And so you pretty much got a plan to dine inside, like going outside. Just it, it could go bad. Um, so we're trying to think of different places. And she's like, well, do you finally want to try Coco's? And I was like, ooh. Yeah, I do. So we got a group of our friends together and we went out and it was to date the best steak I have ever had. Um, and so I was like, oh man, I wonder like I, and I've been wanting to get a chef on the show for a while anyway, but, um, but I had met Chris even before that, I think in February, uh, there was, there was a bloody Mary walk around in Oconomowoc, like an outdoor community event and uh and i just thought you were a really cool guy you you presented everything really well and i was it was one of those things where i'm like he's handing out bloody marys which to me and my mistake i thought that would just be like some schlub's job to you know so like low man on the waiter totem pole mm-hmm. at a restaurant to be like you're gonna go freeze your butt off and hand out candy bacon jalapeno poppers and bloody marys to the people as they walk by uh, and then he just started talking. I'm like, dang, you sound like a chef. And he goes, well, I'm the head chef here. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Um, so yeah, with that and the great steak we had, and you know, I think we had talked about it and I just shot him a link, uh, cause we had mentioned Coco's on that show and I was like, I want to promote them. Just tag them in. It ends up that we have like 27 mutual friends or something on Facebook. So I just took a shot and just friended him and contacted and said, what's your tag? He listened to the show and said, I'd love to come on. Like, yes. So a couple months later, a couple of reschedules and here we are. <laughs> yeah. So, so thank you for coming on, Chris. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. So, for having yeah. Me. That was a long story that, or a short story that I made just made really long. Um, so Chris, I mean, you're, you're the head chef or is it chef's cuisine? Is that how you say so, it? I'm the executive chef, uh, executive general chef. manager, and managing partner for Coco Seafood and Steakhouse. And how, like, take us through kind of your career track. How do you end up there? <clears throat> well, I grew up in the Appalachian Mountains of Virginia. So nice. literally Ooh. right in the Blue Ridge Mountains, uh, you know, pretty much uh, moonshiners all around us. I have uh, family that hails from there. I know it well. Yeah. Um, I think I actually yeah, Chris, a Chris, are we? the moonshine. Are we uh, are we West Virginia Mountaineer guys, or are we Appalachian State? Appalachian. Okay. All right. Oh yeah. yeah. No, our families would war because they're no. We we're kind of more Virginia Tech Hokies and okay. UK that, oh, that's what we are. All right. We're, we're Virginia yeah. Tech people. Sounds yeah. good. But uh, Appalachian State's pretty close by, and a lot of people go there. 
Yeah. All right. So I'm sorry. So I didn't mean, uh, mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Oh, you're totally fine. Uh, so uh, my grandfather was a chef uh, in New York City growing up. Uh, my family lived down in Virginia. Uh, they finally moved down. And so Sunday nights was always get around the table with the family, have a big family uh, dinner, and everybody would cook. So I grew up in a multicultural family where my dad was born and raised in Cairo, Egypt. So I had really food. Yep. Absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah. So anyway, back in the day, he could actually, you could still actually get on top of the Great Pyramids and have lunch. Oh, so oh, you can't wow. anymore because of the amount, massive amounts of erosion that's going on with yeah. it. But, Did uh, you do that? You know, a, uh, I have never been back to Egypt, you know. Never been, Unfortunately, okay. It's just, uh, I think everybody was too busy and never had the time to actually make that uh, journey back to uh, Cairo. Yeah, it's not good there now, right? It's not like a place you want to leave. Yeah, from my understanding, it's not very, uh, you know, a great place to travel right now. Yeah. Okay. So, so. dad's dad's from Cairo, Egypt. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom's uh, family is Hungarian German, oh, so wow. we kind of grew up in a huge melting pot of international cuisine. Yeah. Um, you know, especially with my grandfather being a chef, and kind of getting to know from him exactly how to use food, how to grow food. You know, we had plenty of gardens. So just getting to really kind of know um, what food pairs with what, how it goes together, and using the different uh, ethnicities to actually put dishes together. Yeah. And mix that in with like some like Southern cooking kind of because. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's some good stuff. That's what I learned from from, like Southern cooks. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, you know, because I actually went to school in uh, at Johnson Wales University in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. I uh, was there for uh, two years where I met my lovely wife. Um, and she's actually our pastry chef for Coco's. Oh, um, yeah. So we, uh, you know, kind of a dynamic duo, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, but so after Charlotte, I went to Denver, Colorado and was in Denver for a while. I was also in, uh, in Washington, D.C. at the Mandarin Oriental under uh, Eric Zaboyd, who was the chef de cuisine at the French Laundry for nine and a half years under Thomas Keller. Mm. Okay. So moved back to Wisconsin because my wife was originally from Milwaukee and uh, been here ever since for the past 16 years now. Wow. Nice. It seems like you would have, I just can't imagine, like, as, as a child, all of these different flavors that are coming into your house like with all the different backgrounds of your family that, that had to be just a, I don't, I just like, what are some, what are some Egyptian foods that like everybody should give a shot at? I can't even think of an Egyptian food that I would want to try. So you, you've heard of stuffed grape leaves or dolmas. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. okay. So Greeks originally invaded Egypt and took over Egypt. Right. Right. So when that happened, they brought the dolmas with them. So it's basically a grape leaf, uh, and what we did back home is it's uh, beef and rice, and you roll it up real nice and tight, and then you um, braise it basically in uh, chicken stock. Okay. So we would take that mm. and then <clears throat> put it inside of pita, and then we get this beautiful goat feta cheese um, that you would brine and put a little cayenne pepper and garlic into it and let it brine in there so it just becomes super intense and flavorful, and you just stuff everything inside of a warm pita pocket. And that was like yeah. one of my fondest childhood memories is sitting around 
rolling domus with my parents and you know everybody just eating dinner and just going to town on it was that was that one of those moments where you knew like okay i want to do this full time like this is what i want to do like where when did your love affair begin uh my love affair actually began in uh really actually in high school oh okay uh, okay so i was uh very athletic um you know played a lot of sports soccer football uh wound up getting too many concussions so i couldn't play anymore Okay. So that's when my grandfather spent more time with him and started cooking a little bit more with him almost every couple of days. And really on Sunday uh, after church, would go over to his house and basically just sit there and make dinner for the entire rest of the family uh, for the evening. So every Sunday night, I mean, he's pretty much my inspiration of how I got into cooking and my grandmother making all the different desserts at the end of the night on Sunday nights. And then during the week being at home and, you know, my father making Arabic food and, you know, even my mother making some more of the Hungarian food and German food. It just, it really kind of inspired me to, to continue on, to continue on down that path and keep growing with, you know, the flavors that I had gotten used to. So growing up when you had friends over, I mean, were they kind of like, damn, Chris, where, where's the biscuits and gravy? I mean, were they kind of like, what's I mean, going on? Pretty much, but like all of my friends, when they came over, they're like, what is this? And I explained it to them. They're like, okay, like give it a try. And they yeah. try it and they're like, can we come over every Sunday? Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we'd have like, you know, 15, 20 people over at the house between my brother's friends and my friends and my yeah. grandparents and my parents and their, and their friends. So right. it was, um, it was always a, wonderful experience in my childhood to sit down uh especially on sunday nights with the family yeah so when you when you knew in high school does that that's what you wanted to do did you like i don't know did you like go to your local applebee's and start learning how to do that or like or did you go right to like culinary school and start that up no i went right into uh culinary school after i graduated high school um so i went into johnson wales at charlotte north carolina which uh, is one of the top rated programs in the country along with the culinary institute of america uh mm -hmm. they flip-flop like number one number two every year and oh, have wow. uh, huge uh culinary battles between the students um yeah. when they do a lot of the culinary competitions so uh went there really got into it and just kind of basically dove headfirst into studying about how food pairs with each other, you know, not only that, but just actually how to run a restaurant business itself. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's more than just about food and flavor. It's also about how to successfully run a best, uh, your restaurant business and how to continue to inspire and grow and become a better chef and giving you the fundamentals to do that kind of stuff. Uh, was there, so was there a tryout for it? Like, did you have to try out that you have to prepare a dish in front of like a, a group of people to see like, yeah, you have what it takes. Come, come on in. No, um, culinary school is basically pretty much open to anybody wanting to come in because okay. like I said, it's a, uh, it's like entry level. They start to teach you exactly how to do things, you know, from making stock sauces, soups to butchering, um, to actually, you know, doing inventory management, all that kind of stuff. So it's okay. a foundation layer. Really, Johnson Wells gave you the basics. And where most of your and my experience come from is actively working in restaurants and progressing your way up. You know, even after I graduated with a degree, I was still working in kitchens as a dishwasher. Mm -hmm. So, and you have to work your way up. And a lot of people think that if they graduate right from culinary school, they can go 
and open up a restaurant. Now that might be true if you have experience and if you've been doing it a lot longer than I had at that point. Um, but the thing is, is you still have to put your dues in and work your way mm. up through the kitchen ranks and actually uh, progress from there. So it's interesting. I have a background in education and I've had a couple kids that did want to go that culinary route. Um, and I was teaching in like Milwaukee suburbs, uh, you know, like Waukesha area kind of schools and things like that. And so the best thing I could tell they, that we could find was like WCTC. Um, WCTC and has a great program for this. And, and that's, but that's all I had to go on. Like what you're, you're saying these other schools and I'm like, I, I don't know. I mean, the best I could say is start there. And I think that's what a lot of people, they, they don't know the educational background of what would go into like actually becoming a chef. Um, other than what like we see with like celebrity chefs. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember watching, um, uh, it was a charm city cakes. So duff and him mm-hmm. actually talking about his education. Like, like he went to culinary school and then afterwards went to pastry school. And mm-hmm. I'm like, is that like, is that like a, a bachelor's and then went on to a master's in pastry? Is that how that works? Or is it more of a specialization piece or, Sure. They have different programs, you know, you have associates, bachelors, and then uh, on from there, you can get different specialties. Like I have a, my bachelor's is in uh, culinary nutrition. So dietetics and food science and all that kind of stuff is what you can uh, potentially open up your field to at that point and potentially go on for a dietetic degree as a master's. Um, So I have my associates in culinary arts and then my bachelor's in culinary nutrition. So. But a lot of people, what they don't understand is, even though you go to school, a lot of people are actually self-taught and have actually never gone mm-hmm. to culinary schools to begin with. Um, it is totally possible for somebody to go ahead and just start off as a dishwasher, work their way through prep cook and all that kind of stuff and start mm-hmm. getting onto the line and actually cooking with people um, and doing those kind of progressive steps in order to become chef and developing their flavors by learning from other chefs and them teaching them what they know and just basically using that as a school itself. That's interesting because even amongst that education piece, I still get the feeling and maybe a lot of other people do too, that there's this like master and apprentice kind of feel in a kitchen. Um, and that, you know, eventually the apprentice can strike out on his own to become a master or what, or, you know, that kind of idea. Um, Absolutely. And I, I mean, that's cool. I mean, I'm, so many people I'm fascinated by like the chef business and and I know it's because of things like the food network that kind of put that in front of my face. And we've been able to see kind of the rise of the celebrity chef that seem like everyday people. Um, Absolutely. you know, I, I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't say I, um, really connect with like an Emerald or, or, or anything like that, but like, Guy, it's, I know I say his name wrong, but Guy Fieri, um, mm-hmm. you go, oh yeah, he seems like a, he seems like just a dude or like when you're watching like pit masters and it's like barbecue guys, I'm like, oh, I can get down with them. When, when you look at those shows, Chris, do you, do uh, I'm trying to, it's like when you, when a cop watches a cop show, he goes, that's not how it's done, man. 
it like do you when you watch those shows are you kind of like no it doesn't work like that no you can't take a piece of bread chef ramsey put a girl's head in there and call herself an idiot sandwich you can't do that oh that's some we were going to talk about that kind of the culture yeah. that we that they lead us to believe happens right you know i, I think that gets along into the lines of a little bit of an hr nightmare yeah uh, <laughs> I, would, I would hope so. um nowadays uh you know back in the days when i first started cooking yeah that that happened a lot it did uh absolutely um you know i've actually had lines where when you hear someone say duck you duck because there's a saute pan coming down the line oh man. Um, you no, know shit. Had, you know chefs just sit there and literally take your plate and shove it right back into your chest and saying this is not what i showed you how to do um to the point where they literally just parade you until you just break down and start crying okay um, is that because of the i kind of feel like this is like some sort of like okay in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s in football that was what was considered that's how you learned football was a coach would grab you by the face mask and tell you what you did wrong and now mm -hmm. it's like nowadays it's you don't have to do that anymore you can actually just talk to them and explain to them hey i need you to get here when this comes up so correct is that how it kind of in the 70s and the 80s and through the line of i don't know when it first started master versus apprentice or however you're learning sure was that just people well i was taught that way that's why i'm throwing a saucepan at somebody or is it just think, the, the asshole yeah I, I think it could be a little bit of both but okay. i think a lot of people that you know originally the whole mentality is before i can teach you is i got to break you down to see how oh. far you it goes till you break down uh, mm. and then i can build you from there uh so they can try to find their strengths and weaknesses and you know, realize, you know, really weed out the people that don't want to be there, you know, and really for the people that actually do have a passion for cooking. Now, that does not happen in today's kitchen anymore. Uh, at least I hope not. It does not happen in my kitchen. Uh, my crew is, for the majority, has been with me since day one. Um, so Great. we've we've actually have a really super strong team and a lot of, a lot of the guys, you know, we've taught we basically started two months before we opened uh, working actually in the kitchen with the guys and having them cook steaks after steak after steak after steak just so they can just repetitively hit the same mark that we're looking for consistently, uh, uh, consistently every single time. Um, you know, I have one of my guys that when he first came in, he came back from the army and he used to cook before, was out, you know, from in the army for like four years, four or five years or something like that. I want to get back in. The good, he never heard of a scout before. A scallop? Like, a scout. Okay. All right. And could not cook a scallop to save his life. Probably within like two months, he was literally cooking some of the best scallops I've ever seen out of a line cook. Okay. So I have nice. like full confidence that like, you know, when you build your team, if you do it in the correct way and a respectful way, they will respond back to you by actually coaching them uh, and working right next to them side by side. I, 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 I can pretty much speak for Greg on this. I, we both agree with that. Um, I, you said something I thought was kind of interesting where you said they had the mentality of breaking people down so they could build them up. But I'm wondering how many of those people that had a love for cooking that were like, I love cooking. I don't like getting yelled at and looking to like duck 
when I when I'm seeing right. so how many how many great chefs or could have been that left simply because they just didn't have the approach that you have now where it's like look man like I I'm imagining that that guy who didn't hear about what a scallop was I'm sure he would have been berated and it felt like an idiot like back in those days sure you know so I think that's that's speaks well to uh, the way you're creating a culture there and that's great and that brings me to my next question was basically what do you love most about about being a chef I you know I'm gonna actually refer this one back to Greg here Greg you're talking about how you like to be a teacher right yeah yep that's what I love about being a chef I like to teach people I like to actually get them to learn the product I get a lot of joy out of actually spreading my knowledge to other people and not only that but what I do now is I really like to get out on the floor and talk and get to know who my guests are coming in every day and realizing their likes and dislikes because if they don't like something and there's not a good response, you know, I could really love foie gras, but everybody could, else that's coming in could hate foie gras. So why would I put foie gras on my menu? Right. Mm-hmm. So this allows me to do that kind of stuff and actually develop uh, a strategic plan on how to operate and run our restaurant. Um, but it's really getting down to the essentials of knowing your ingredients, partnering with local farmers. Uh, you know, right now we have, uh, we're just picking up Ingersoll farms out of Sussex. Mm. Um, we have stone bank farms, uh, mm-hmm. right on stone bank down the road from us that we just picked up, uh, pink TP farms. Uh, they do a lot of our microgreens and honey and wild foraging, uh, and they partner with source and nature. Uh, they actually go out and do all of our morels and uh, chanterelles and chicken in the woods, hen in the wood mushrooms, uh, the fiddleheads, the ramps that we get in uh, all throughout uh, the spring and into the summer. So we look at how can we partner with the people next door to us and actually make a better and greater community from within the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really kind of pride and enjoy myself in is being able to be a part of the community within the restaurant that's great can you can you kind of for those of for those listeners out there that don't really understand why is that so important to get to your local farmers like why not you get it off of a you know explain to them i know why you would it makes sense to me you always want fresh food you want to build a community so i understand that but what's the nitty-gritty like what what are the reasons well, you develop local relationships, so whenever somebody needs something, you can help them out. Um, but realizing those local farmers in itself is, A, you're getting some of the freshest food because it probably just came out of the ground either that morning or the night before or the day before. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and really just partnering with them to actually be sustainable, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, you, you know where it's coming from. You know exactly what's in their ground, basically. Um, you have a friendly space that delivers it to your door every single time and you have the freshest ingredients possible. I mean, just small local farms are, you know, building a livelihood for these families that are Mm -hmm. basically dependent upon these farms and them being successful. So why not use a great product that's right in your neighborhood or within your state that's right down the road? I couldn't say it better. (laughs) Um, how would you describe your style? If you could describe it. How would you describe like your cooking style? You know, I first started off 
thinking that, you know, my style was one way, but consistently I've been developing new styles and, you know, trying to different pairings and all this kind of stuff. And I, I really like to say it's kind of a little bit more modern rustic. Uh, with staying okay. true to what the ingredients are for what they are and not going above and beyond and keeping true and keeping it simple flavors, but elevated in an elegant way. I'm I'm starving. <laughs> oh, John, I should say, Chris sent me a picture. Was it last night? Uh, bison prime rib. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, he's um, don't be afraid. Like, oh my lord. Okay, it sounds like I need to get onto some sort of a uh, text thing that Facebook. you got. <laughs> so that we can uh, definitely um, promote that on our page. Like, Absolutely. There was one thing that blew my mind, Chris, and that, that's it's going to lead into my next question. Um, sure. Gore, I heard Gordon Ramsay say once and, at a show, and I understand it's for a TV show, but he said, and I want you guys to all imagine the best meal you've ever had. And he said, now I want you to realize that whatever you guys have had, I've had better. So what's the best meal that you've ever had? Did we lose him? Oh, no. Okay. No, you're good. No, you're good. <laughs> going through that Rolodex. No, going That's through That's a tough Rolodex. question. It is a tough question because I've eaten that some of them some of the most amazing restaurants across the country and all that kind of stuff. And to be quite honest, if I were to close my eyes and the best meal that I actually have ever had, um, would actually be sitting at my home table with my grandfather and my parents, because it's not just necessarily about the food. It's about the experience that goes along with the food. Yeah. Um, And, if you could actually just sit there and close your eyes and think of a great memory and was it bring back and, you know, it just brings me back to my childhood and sitting around and sharing the stories that we have had around the kitchen table and sitting there and, you know, eating uh, chicken paprikash and, you know, nookedly uh, beautiful Hungarian dishes um, with my grandfather, who was my inspiration as a chef and still is to this day. Um, that's like the one thing if I were to say that this is like my last piece of food ever would be going back to that dinner mm-hmm. table on a Sunday night while also looking over at the beautiful sunset from the Appalachian Mountains, but yeah. being around your family and actually having that experience. Now, as far as if I were to go out and say I had the most amazing meal here and this is where I'd actually go, I've been to the French Laundry. It's amazing. All right, I've been to Bouchon, you know, and all those fun places. You know, when I was working for Eric uh, Zaboyd at Cities and in the Mandarin Oriental, that was amazing. You know, when I was there, it was a communal kitchen. So there was two restaurants inside the hotel and I got to meet um, the other chef there was um, a master sushi chef from Japan. So we shared the coolers. So I would take care of his fish and rotate the fish around for him and keep it freshly iced down. So every day for lunch he would bring me a fresh sushi platter for just taking care of his fish nice. and i tell you it's it just amazing to just actually sit there and literally watch this guy just carve off beautiful slices of sashimi and just here here you go as a young apprentice you know and to that 
point right there. Just if you have somebody that cares that much about their food and how they're doing it and what their craft is, there's yeah. nothing better than that. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I'm with Greg um, in terms of chefs fascinate me. I mean, there's so many. Greg and I are also big fans of like, you know, the uh, the fictional magic worlds, right? And I just, mm -hmm. I keep picturing like, this is a form of magic in itself in terms of just the right amount of ingredients, the right amount of time, the right amount of heart and soul that goes into something, the right amount of, of uh, care and dedication. It just blows my mind. Um, but I want to throw a little question at you that I thought was a good one. I actually, I cheated. I looked this one up, but in <laughs> your house, in your house, Chris, what are the four ingredients that have to be in your house at all times? Like you got to cook with these four ingredients. For me, it's great. Olive oil, olive oil. Uh, always got to have beautiful kosher salt or sea salt in the house. Okay. Um, for me, and it's going to be different with every chef. I'm going to tell you this. Um, and then for me, the other part is, you know, great herbs, always having beautiful herbs to actually accent your dishes with. And the fourth one is love. I love that. That's <laughs> awesome. That's so awesome. it's just being able to sit there and actually experience what you have in front of you and being thankful for what you have. Um, <laughs> And I know you probably weren't looking for those exact answers. No, um, you, you led with your heart. I love it. But uh, this is, you know, something that I've truly have taken a passion in. And, you know, if you don't have the love for it, it, it gets kind of difficult at the end of the day for doing what we do with the long hours that we put in, hmm. um, you know, always being judged and criticized, especially this day and age with, hmm. um, you know, all the online reviews and all that sure. kind of stuff. Yeah, I didn't and, even think about that. Everybody yeah. can you be know. Yelp critic. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, and that's one of the things is, you know, we get judged every day and you have to look past it and just keep pushing yourself forward and keep motivating yourself. You know, all it can take is one bad review and it could ruin a restaurant. Um, but a it's, shame. if you get that bad review, how do you push past that? Right. And you look around to your left and your right. And you realize the amazing people that you have on your team right next to you. You know, I come home and I have an amazing wife uh, who I happen to just be so lucky to work with as well. And being able to talk things through through the day on exactly what happened. And all right, you know, how do you fix this the next day? How do you keep pushing forward? And, you know, it's one of those things. I have her come in and she'll critique my food dishes. And she goes, hey, can you critique my pastry dishes? And, you know, it's do this, do that. And you keep moving forward and progressing and evolving, um, especially with now the day of age with COVID. You know, that was a huge mm -hmm. impact on our on our restaurant community and the hospitality industry as a whole. You know, we're yeah. still feeling the effects from it. Yeah. You know, even though the people are coming back, you know, the markets are going crazy right now. There's so much instability with that going on. So it's just you're keep having to evolve and you're keeping you're really keeping on your toes and keeping having to change. Yeah. So how'd that go for you? Like, I'm sure it was devastating. It was very hard, but, um, your restaurant survived, I'm assuming. So that's great news. Yes. Uh, well, we opened three weeks before COVID shutdown actually happened. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. So that was, uh, you know, that was a little wrench in the chain there for, yeah. uh, you know, just opening up a brand new restaurant and, you know, lots of, 
you know, humbling feedback and, you know, reviews and all that kind of stuff to all of a sudden being like, well, what do you do now? So what'd you, know, you do? I remember it was St. Patrick's Day and I had 50 pounds of uh, Nyman's Ranch prime corned beef that we corned in-house for like 14 days. And I said, well, <laughs> okay, staff, are you guys hungry? You know, feel free to take it home to your families, you know, do that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, we sat there for a few days and said, well, how do we get through it? And I sat and you know greg you've been in the restaurant and you saw mm-hmm. like sitting at the bar we have the big uh windows going wrapped around on the curb over there and i sat there for a few days and i just kept watching and watching and people were just walking by and just walking by and walking by and walking by and i said well i'm gonna go run over to my boss's house and i'm gonna go grab his charcoal grill so we put a charcoal grill outside and we opened up to just people walking up, taking an order and having to go and, you know, selling off our wine on the patio and people were taking it home and, you know, doing the carry out and to go menus and, you know, just kept evolving and partnering with people in the community. We partnered with our local fire department for a food drive uh, that we had to go through the um, state health department to get approval because it was during COVID and uh, we helped the fire department um, with 3,300 meals in three days uh, off a five-foot charcoal grill, uh, which then also the community was gracious enough um, to actually donate uh, just a little over $6,000, even though we weren't charging a single penny for any Mm -hmm. of the meals, so anyone could come up and get a free meal. Um, And that actually went to the uh, <clears throat> Lake Country Fire and Rescue to go and buy reusable PPE masks that nice. were made by a company in, uh, I believe it was right by Waukesha Airport. Uh, but they made reusable masks for them, so all they had to do is just drop a new filter into every time they needed to change out um, at cost, which was great to see the local community support from that um, and how Lake Country as a whole really kind of kind of banded together to support everybody within the community awesome. which is an absolutely humbling experience for just opening and seeing the support that they gave us in return for helping the community out that's that's awesome that's what you wish would happen everywhere <laughs> absolutely yeah. i'll say when i was there um because like i said it was beginning of april we were just starting to kind of really make that climb out of uh out of the covid space and starting to open up more and like there was just kind of this feeling of like you said community um mm-hmm. even when we walked in it turns out i you know i'm i know your doorman <laughs> and i'm like <laughs> like Chip, what's up and, and so talking with him and he's like you're gonna love it here he's like this is absolutely mm-hmm. great and even chatting with him i'm like well how long have you been here and you know kind of having that conversation and then that transferred like to our waitress and she was like, Oh, you're going to love it here. And you know, people asking questions and she's like, I'm pretty sure we can do that. I mean, just, just, it, it, I didn't have the feeling of like that there are a bunch of people in the back, just like getting food out as fast as they can. Like let, let's do fast and furious, more, more plates on the table. I mean, more money we make. I mean, that was not the feeling at all. It was just that great community, laid back restaurant that you're and then 
And then the food came out and it was just amazing. So, I mean, it was really, it was just that great experience that I think you guys are really shooting to create and Mm -hmm. you're nailing it. Thank you. Uh, you know, it's very humbling to hear that, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I want our guests to come in. I want them to feel invited and relaxed and just sit down and be able to just to get away and enjoy the time that they have there and kind of almost recreate that atmosphere of when I was at home and sitting down at a dinner table and enjoying time with your family, because at the end of the day, family is what you got. And to me, family is everything. That's why everybody on my staff is my brother and sister right there next to me. And mm-hmm. they all have a say in how we operate our restaurant. And I think it takes, you know, they have some great pride in how fact that they have some ownership of how we operate and how we do things and how we run it and they all kind of like grasp it like yes this is a family we're going to stick together we're going to work through it and we're just going to keep on pushing through this COVID mess yeah well it's definitely working because you had uh mentioned that you're getting people like even from the chicago area driving up and, yeah, we had seeking uh, five you out from the Chicago to, uh, area last night. Um, and, I will be coming. I will be coming. <laughs> that's, that's happening. That's hopefully happening. you're on that next wave of people coming from Chicago. That's happening for sure. For sure. <laughs> hey, Chris, when you were um, what what is a culinary Everest? Is there like because I I always think about that 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 type of fish that if you don't cook it right, it could kill you. <laughs> So, fish. Like, is that is yeah. it, it's a blowfish right or or spiny fish or something like that but yeah is there any is there anything out there that is your culinary everest like i always wanted to do this and either you haven't had the time or you didn't go to the certain place where you could only do it or is there is there a culin is there something for you out there that you're like man i really want to cook that uh yeah um you know Actually, I don't even want to go near that fish that you were talking about. Okay. Uh, personally. <laughs> hey, actually, actually, do you know what that fish is? Just so we, so the audience knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know, you know you're actually getting into the puffer fish. There's actually, if I remember correctly, there's seven different ones, um, and they're all have different amounts of actual uh, toxin in them. Um, but you're getting into the, uh, blowfish and the puffer fishes and all that okay. kind of stuff, but they're a little bit different. Um, when you get down to the actual generic name of it, and I apologize, but it's actually slipping my mind right now. Um, but the, uh, it's actually, you have to train for years in order to actually use this fish because it is that deadly, um, that even like the smallest amount of the wrong cut. And you could literally kill like 20 people in like oh, literally one tenth of a gram. That's a lot of responsibility. Uh, wow. Absolutely. But even when you eat the flesh from people that I've talked to, um, your mouth starts to tingle and goes numb. Oh, no. Because even though that they've taken all the toxins out of it, and it still does have some of the toxins in the actual flesh itself. So your mouth starts to go numb a little bit. Um, that would kind of almost like. Kind that doesn't sound like fun at all. Get the Novocaine throughout your mouth. You know? Yeah, that was <laughs> like freak. That would freak me out. I would think, yeah. oh my god, oh my god, he didn't know what he's doing. I'm gonna die. Nope. But That's probably funny. one of the coolest things I actually ever got to try was a live baby octopus. Ooh. So you actually have to. Um, so they come in live off the fish tank, and uh, you wrap it around your chopstick, and you actually insert the chopstick through the mouth to basically um, kill it. 
Okay. And uh, so you still actually have the tentacles moving around in your mouth when you're chewing it. So you yeah. actually have to chew it like really, really well, because if you're not careful, one of the uh, tentacles will actually latch on and actually shut your airway. <laughs> oh, man. Wait, that, that's, that, that's your, that's your Everest right there was doing yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. John, that's what I told you uh, last week. So the podcast that we had last week was yeah, old boy, right? Yeah. Yeah. The movie movies that some people hate that we love anyway. And there's a movie called old boy. And I believe it's a Korean film and the actor uh, literally like he doesn't use the chopstick. He part of his character. He just literally just palms it off the plate and shoves it in his mouth. And as he's chewing it, you can see one tentacle just kind of like writhing, like it's kind of hanging out of his mouth and it's like on his nose and stuff. And I'm even as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, my God, that's real. He's really he's eating a live octopus on so, camera. So, so, Chris, were you like this? I don't know if you can see me well or not. Were you were like this? You put it in your mouth, right? Were you like like trying to do it as fast as you can to get it over with? Or were you taking what's your it time? taste like? Yeah. You know, have you guys ever had like grilled octopus before? Absolutely. Calamari. Okay. Yeah. Calamari, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, calamari is when you own the squid family and all that kind of stuff. So it still has that same texture, okay, except for me. you get a little bit of the protective slime um, uh-huh. from the actual uh, octopus itself. Um, so it's a little appetizing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, is, it is quite an experience, but at the same time, too. I would love to do it again, um, but I probably wouldn't. <laughs> I'll tell you um, what, I would try that before I do, I think it's the Icelandic pungent shark, which is like, it's decayed shark. And I guess the, I guess it just smells absolutely terrible. Oh, But it's a that? delicate, I believe it's Iceland. And I was like, nope, I wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. Okay. Stop me if I'm wrong, guys, but I think we just found our episode two here. Y'all <laughs> chew down on some octopus. Well, it's it's interesting that I mean, especially with you know, kind of the food entertainment that's been on the rise for the last couple of years. I'm a Absolutely. big fan of uh, uh, the first We Feast show, uh, Hot Ones, where it's an interview show and they're just eating like the super spicy hot wings. And to a point, I and this is like, I mean, and I like spice, and I know John does too, and his his wife is even uh, she's ridiculous. Better, yeah, she's better at it than I am. <laughs> Way um, better than all of us. Yes. The to me, the, if the spice, if if you're just going for straight up heat over flavor, you lost me. Like mm-hmm. it's gotta taste good. Yeah. And I, when yeah. you watch you watch some of those people take take the hot wings, they're like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, and then you're just doing that, <laughs> and you're like, you're not having a good time. Like anybody that does that on purpose, you're yeah. doing it for the wrong reasons. That's not no, that's not fun food time. It's you know, I saw it's, I believe it's on Netflix, um, and it's called Scoble. Oh, um, yeah. but there's a guy, I believe it's either North Carolina or South Carolina, and he's the one that actually came up with Carolina Reaper. Yeah. Oh. So he he decided that. When they have these hot pepper eating contests that they actually don't even get to into like the Carolina Reaper, like, you know, or anything higher than a ghost chili pepper. Yeah. And now all these competitions, they're having people that are just, they keep winning. And so he basically 
took all the winners from all these different competitions and brought them to his farm. And he goes, these are Carolina crossbred reapers that have not even been chemically um, uh, broken down to actually figure out how hot of a Scoville it actually is. You know, they got a Carolina Reaper mixed with a Scotch bonnet. I mean, you're talking millions of Scovilles there. Yeah. And I mean, to the point where like some of these would, I'm sure if I made one, I would have tapped out a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's pure insane and literally can almost kill you in itself too. Because it will what? just burn you from the inside. We're looking oh, at setting God. up a garden this uh, this spring. My wife's like, "Well, do you want to get like some of those super hot? Like, because they were selling Carolina Reapers at like Menards, and she's like, do you want one?'" I'm like, "No, no. What what would I do with that?" Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the uh, the Reaper Chip Challenge. Yeah, no, I yeah. had. Yeah, I'm not into that either. I wouldn't do that. The only I did the cinnamon challenge once, and that's enough. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. Have you done the saltine it, I, cracker challenge yet? No, what, what is it? that? It's, you have to eat as many saltine crackers as you can without taking any a drink of water or anything. Oh, I think it might I remember. In, it's like I remember in Cub Scouts to get past the ten. In Cub Scouts, when I was a kid, we had to eat like five, and then the first one to whistle like won a prize. I remember doing that. <laughs> so it's just a bunch of bunch of elementary school kids like spitting crackers on each other because we're all like <laughs> and it's not working yeah um hey what speaking of like you know these california reapers and stuff um what's the what's a challenging ingredient for you challenging ingredient for me that I would say is actually most challenging is spending enough time with my family (laughs) (laughs) is one of them. Uh, But really actually peppers, honestly peppers, because there are so many different types of them. There's so many different heats. Um, And literally it's just one of those things. It's like, you can't always use peppers because not everybody's always a huge fan of it. Mm. Right. Um, You know, another one for me is, you know, mushrooms. Yes. I love mushrooms. Oh my gosh. And you can go out and, you know, that's why I have people that go in wild forage for me because I would be the one that would pick the one that's like, see you in seven days on a uh, weird trip. Because that would be me in the woods. <laughs> okay, I'm down for that. Yeah, but... yeah I, I, I'd yeah. actually be up for that, Chris. <laughs> I, uh, see, it... <laughs> you know, I, I picked one up and I was like, this kind of looks like this. And I, you know, held it up to my phone, took picture while I was out hunting and I texted it to my buddy Brian who owns Source in Nature and I was like found a bunch of these what are they he goes put them down wash your hands (laughs) like really well he goes it's the see you next Thursday one so he goes you will be out for like seven days (laughs) wow see and mushrooms are challenging for me like even when I'm cooking at home because I'm Mm. not a big mushroom fan um and but my wife loves them, my daughter loves them, and, and they're just like, "Are you going to do anything with mushrooms?" And I'm like, "I don't want to." <laughs> and, and, and we're just using store bought, you know, whatever they got, you know, by the pound. Sure. But but even when um, in, the, in the it's early spring, the morels I think come out or late spring. What, I mean, when people are going nuts over those, yeah. and you know, do you want to go out and we'll go to a restaurant like Coco's and, and have yeah. someone like, no, no, that's, 
unless you like drown them in bourbon and everything else. I mean, I'm really not into them. <laughs> <laughs> they they do have an acquired taste to them. Um, you know, besides everybody saying, you know, it's like the most expensive mushroom, you know, you can find right now. I mean, there's years where it's $20 a pound and there's years that I've seen it $45 a pound yeah. for, you know, and then if you get them, if you get into where you get dried morels, it's like $200 a pound. Really? Yeah. Because right about five pounds of fresh mushrooms when you dehydrate is roughly about a pound of dried mushrooms. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, we just finished up morel season here. Uh, you know, people are still finding some of them. Uh, found some pretty big ones this year. I think they found a 2.2 pound morel uh, this year. Um, but, you know, morel season is winding down. Uh, Ramster and fiddleheads are done. Uh, so we're actually heading into the rest of mushrooms right now. So we're, we've been seeing a lot of uh, golden oyster mushrooms coming in. Uh, we've been featuring that on, uh, some of the dishes that we've had lately. And then, uh, I think we're going to be heading into hen of the woods and chicken of the woods. Um, and chicken of the woods, I will tell you, it does taste like chicken. No kidding. Like if you do like, if you imagine like pan frying it up in butter, closing your eyes, it literally tastes like fried chicken. Wow. So what do you do with that? Do you, do you just use it as like a side or would you like do like a yeah, fry with it, it or something? A, yeah, we use it like as an, an accompaniment to actually go along with stuff. And it also, if you pair it with uh, like lobster or crab and you close there your you eyes, go. it actually will take on almost that lobster and crab oh. flavor. Huh. So it's actually. Have pretty... you have you served that? Have you served that as like a vegetarian yes. meal? Yeah, absolutely. You can do they do get pissed because they think it's chicken? No, no. <laughs> you don't hide it from them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I but how would a vegetarian a gotcha. taste like? Absolutely, you know, it's um, one of those things. That, and you know, we've done you know lots of different mushroom dishes for you know vegetarians and vegans. I think I found the first culinary paradox. <laughs> I think you did. I think you did. <laughs> hey, what are your favorite foods? Like what, I, mushrooms? You love mushrooms. But love like mushrooms, you know, I'm a big sushi guy, to be quite honest. I love sushi. Dude. I mean, just the simple nature of what it actually is, you know, everybody has a misconception is what is sushi? Yeah. You know, and everybody's fish. like, no, it's the rice. Oh, really? So the rice that you actually use is sushi rice. Oh. So that they is actually what sushi actually actually basically oh. is. And it's the fish that accompanies it. So it's all based off the rice. So you, no, how you were no talking kidding. about master and apprentice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In their world, it takes years yeah. before the apprentice can actually even cook or touch the rice. Really? I had Absolutely. no idea. So you're saying I, with, I when it comes that. to sushi, when it comes to sushi, it's all about the rice. It's not about. So wait a minute. So are you saying sushi is like cake? And the fish or the toppings is like the frosting. Correct. Wow. I didn't, I never, my wife is going to be blown away because she's a sushi <laughs> snob. My, my yeah. first sushi experience was with John and his wife. Yeah. And I think I was 28, 29. They and don't do I that was, in Wisconsin. And I was like, <laughs> no, I'm not, I don't want to do that. I mean, and it was just. It was just because of the family I grew up in and where it was biscuits and gravy and, and as much meat as you can pile on a plate. Mm-hmm. Burnt steak. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was like, 
you know, which was still, I mean, Southern cooking is good cooking. Yeah. But you met, wrong, that beautiful cornbread. Oh, 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 oh yeah. In oh, a chili. Gosh. Oh, but, yep. But Absolutely. you mentioned sushi to them and they're like, fuck you. No, man, we're not doing <laughs> that. I mean, they're like, what, what are you doing? Um, and so, but when I had it, I was like, oh yeah. I, like, I can't remember the place where you you took me to. I was like, okay, that wasn't bad. And then we started to really get into it survive and that and then getting yeah yeah i lived i lived uh and then getting good sushi and then going other places where you're like that's not good sushi (laughs) and figuring Mm -hmm. gas station (laughs) gas station probably not the best place to get sushi no speaking of gas station sushi is there is there any foods that you just refuse to have in your fridge or eat like mcdonald's you don't do a mcdonald's do you are you like what the fuck is this you know, unfortunately, my five-year-old, it's like... Oh, yeah. It's happy the best ma- I can I can cook her the best mac and cheese in the world. Uh, unfortunately, I hate to say this, but, you know, we have to have Kraft macaroni and yep. cheese in the house. Get the blue box. Yeah. You got to get the blue box. And it's what just is like, it with that? What is, what is with know. that? I've know. tried to do it, too. And Gwen is like, no, this isn't I, what I... I've even the... seen, looked up ways to, like, doctor it up and make it decent. And when I do mm-hmm. it, the kids are like, no. no. I, God, I don't understand what it is. Well, and that's, I know I feel as, I mean, and I do consider myself a pretty good cook. I, I've made some pretty good things. And I'm proud of what I do. Um, but when my, like, if I spend a lot of time on something and serve it to my kids and they're like, no, I don't want that. Like, you've never, I don't like that. You've never had it before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you got it. I can't imagine what that's like for you. You're like, this oh. is what I do for a living. <laughs> living. People Listen, pay me lots of money to do this. And you're like, <laughs> no, I'm not touching that. Yeah. No, she she is uh she loves to bake and she's getting in the kitchen with us and doing that kind of stuff. And she already picked up when I um call for them to come pick the plates up to take it out to the table, you know, and say service. And so uh, my wife and I were having coffee about a month ago. And all of a sudden, from the back room in my daughter's bed, you hear, service, service, please. <laughs> and we're like, did she just say service? Yes. And we walk into the room, and she's like, yeah, can I have some juice, please? <laughs> so she was literally calling for us to come back. Well, hey, at least she said, go please, get her. Chris. Exactly, you know? But it's just like, you know, I need to bring you yeah. on a Friday, Saturday night to help me run the line. <laughs> How old is she? She's five. Five. Okay. Uh, yeah. Mine is two. So I, yeah. actually, she's going to be three next month. But yeah. Oh, they're so much fun. They are. It's a blast. I I, I lean on Greg heavily. I call him up usually, probably every other week, and go, "Okay, this is happening. Is this normal?" He's like, "Yep, you're mm-hmm. good." That's my oldest is sixteen, and. What's fun, and you'll both get into this, but yeah, cooking with your kids or, or like watching them. Like I, I suffered through some stuff. Like when she, when she wanted to start making us breakfast, and she's uh-huh. like, and she got you know first thing was pancakes. Mm-hmm. She's like, I got really good at pancakes, but Dad, I know you like bacon, so I put bacon bits in them, and I'm like, mm, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. But you <laughs> suffer through that, and now she, she's gotten pretty good. I mean, yeah. she'll, I mean, she'll make dinner for us at least once a week. I mean, because awesome. I don't like that's been great. And I'm trying to do that. My son has not tapped into that yet, but yeah. uh, but my yeah, other dog starting to do wait stuff. Wait till you get to the point where they're like, 
Like, I don't like broccoli. Really? Because you just ate a bunch of it last night. Yeah. yeah I don't like broccoli. Or yeah. something else. And you're just like, yeah. oh, man. Okay. All right, Chris. My wife will be extremely upset if I don't talk to you about your wife and her pastries. Absolutely. <laughs> I didn't know about this, so this is all Neither stuff coming I. off the top of my head. Um, is I'm a cupcake snob. Does she make good cupcakes? She makes great cupcakes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just talk, walk me on through me. one so I can have some sort of a um, taste orgasm here in my mouth. All right. Instead of a instead of a cupcake, can I do something a little different for you? Go for it. Yeah. Absolutely. And this is actually what you can get at Coco's right now. Okay. All right. Cool. So everybody loves creme brulee, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. So a little story behind this. She does this every year for Christmas. It is it's a tuxedo creme brulee. All right. You know, so when everybody was asking for creme brulee, I said, Hey, I need you're gonna we're gonna need a creme brulee. And she's like, You don't have to say it. I already know which one you're talking about. But it's this beautiful milk chocolate ganache. Ooh. And you set it at the bottom. And then once it actually gets set, you put the vanilla bean custard on top of it. Yeah. And then you put your sugar on it and then you sit there and you start to caramelize while you're rotating it. And my favorite part is just to watch the little fingers of caramelized sugar running mm-hmm. down the plate and running around. And then to the point where you're just like, that really hurts because I just put my finger in the sugar. And, it's <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, just watching the complexity of actually how the layers actually go in and like how it just is just, Every little bite, if you try one layer, then you try the next layer, and then you try another layer, just the complexity of it on how it's different. And then when you actually scoop the whole thing and you actually get the whole layer of all three layers, you're just like putting it together. It's just, it's almost like romance in a glass. That's awesome. So, that sounds, deli- I, yeah, I'm coming to Coco's for sure. <laughs> well, I was that's just. That. I was just thinking, John, John's coming up uh, beginning of August because we we're going to the Joe Rogan show. Uh, yes. Okay. So I bet. Well, so let's some, go to fucking Coco's, Greg. Sometime that weekend, I think we could probably yeah, work that out. Yeah, we got to do that. Although they're booked out their door from what I hear. We'll have to make some Although, reservations. Although, I will but. tell you this right now. Let me know the date, and I will have uh, Coco's One, our courtesy vehicle, come and pick you guys up, bring you to the restaurant, and take <laughs> you guys home. Yeah. Holy cow. That is awesome, sir. So you're I, staying yes. over that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be a that'll be a great night. Thank you, man. That's awesome. That's Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Um, Greg, so, any other questions? Oh, I have a ton. You like oh, bogarted I, I, all I, the questions. I've been, <laughs> I've been, I've been totally um, hogging it up. Well, because I want to, I want to, I have questions of my own. Like what, like I'm still, I haven't done a real good reverse here yet. And I want to know, like, how do okay, I do hang that? On, Greg, hang on one second. Yes, because that's where I wanted to go. Anything for Coco? Because now I think we want to get into how do we make things better in our house? <laughs> sure. So absolutely. Um, any 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 specials? Why should people go to Coco in the next couple of months? Any new delicate or not? De- any new dishes that you're experimenting with, or you want to work with, or? Sure. Uh, you know, we are currently actually in the planning phase for the summer menu. Okay. Uh, so we're doing a little bit of an overhaul. Um, I'm actually looking at adding wild game on to the menu as well. Nice. So getting in some uh, rack of elk. Uh, right. You know, we did the bison um, 
prime rib for special this weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, but actually adding on like a good bison uh, ribeye. Um, we're also looking at this one actually sold really well um, was uh, red stag. So it's uh, red deer out of New Zealand. Okay. So absolutely beautiful. It's a member of the venison family. So not the Jack uh, Daniels red stag. Not, <laughs> no. <laughs> Although I can bring a bottle of that out at the same time. Oh, syrup. No, thank you. <laughs> um, so we're doing some really cool things with that. Um, I am currently trying to get a source. Uh, you know, we have a lot of people from Florida coming up and that stay in the Oconomowoc mm -hmm. area and Lake Country area. And everybody keeps asking for hogfish. And what's a hogfish? It is literally looks like a hog. No like shit. Wild hog. Yep. So look it up on your phone right now, Johnny. I am. So it literally has a snout that comes out and it actually has the tusks coming out uh, from the top and the bottom. Excuse me. Did oh, you say gosh. tusks? Correct. There's teeth, oh, but it literally looks like a hog's tusks. From Key West. Correct. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. It's a oh. member of the snapper family. And it's huge. Oh, yeah. Damn. Yeah, yeah. This is a big boy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we get them in looking at YouTube. I think that's a hogfish. Correct. Yep. Hey. Wow. So we get them in from time to time, but I'm trying to work on a uh, continuous source to actually uh, bring it up here with our seafood monglers. Because um, most of the time when they're down there, they're actually uh, out of Key West area and down into the Florida and down into the islands there. Uh, they are actually spearfishing for them. Oh, yeah. So I'll there's not always a sustainable source on actually getting them. But however, if you're down there all the time, everybody's buying them up because they're mm. delicious. I mean, they got this beautiful light and buttery uh, texture to them um, and really take on flavors really well, like using some island spice with it. So it's uh, using the pimento peppers uh, along with a little bit of uh, sweetness from the brown sugar cane um, and using that in there uh, along with some other herbs and spices that we do. Jesus but Christ. It's a very, very vers versatile fish. Um, and it really takes on with like a lot of the uh, a lot of people do the salsas with them. So pineapple or mango salsas really? are very, very common with them down in Florida and pairing it with uh, jasmine rice or a couple of different other grains like couscous or quinoa. The, the fish is one of those things. I mean, it's pretty amazing because like being raised pretty much in, well, born and raised in Southern Wisconsin. Like mm -hmm. if you said you're going out for fish, that means you're going out for cod or walleye or just Correct. like a Friday night fish fry. Yeah. And then actually finding out like the first time I had like halibut or first time I had like some, like a real meaty kind of fish. And they're like, no, this is like, it, it has the consistency of a steak. And you're like, no, yeah. fish is supposed to be flaky and white. They're yeah. like, no. <laughs> so, so I think, did you see the Opa that I brought in? Yeah. From that Hawaii. Thing, yeah. Uh, here. Two arm in this huge I fish. Will pull this off my phone for you, Johnny. Uh, so Opa is literally, I call Opa. it a cross. Yeah, Opa, O-P-A-H. <laughs> um, so it's a member of the moon and sunfish family. So we had a 85 pound fish flown in overnight from Hawaii. Look at this thing, John. See if I can get it in the frame here. Oh no, you get, whole, how, how, how heavy is that? That was 85 pounds. Oh my God, that's an Opa? As an opa, holy so shit. they uh, you know, 
they ship it literally. So it comes, uh, came right from uh, Hawaii, uh, landed in Chicago, and then our seafood mongler's out of Chicago. So they literally fly it into ORD, um, Chicago International, and then drive it up to us uh, the following morning. Wow. So you're talking less than 72 hours after being caught. That is actually in our restaurant. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. The the logistics of that is actually amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's 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 really one of those cool things that we've actually set those parameters up that, you know, we are getting some fish like that hogfish that we got. Yeah. We literally called the boat, they went out, they caught it, literally shipped it from Florida overnight to Chicago, and then our seafood uh mongler drove it up to us from Chicago. And it was out literally was by the time it actually got in a restaurant, it wasn't even 24 hours old. Wow. That's awesome. So, so you're getting fresh stuff. That's great. That's great. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. that's awesome. You know, this is one of the things that Greg and I talked about. And you're like, how do you get fresh fish in Wisconsin? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was telling him, you know, most of your seafood at the store has probably already been there for, you know, five, six days before you're yeah. actually, actually yeah. purchasing it. Um, unless you can actually get from a reputable source, like going to Whole Foods, they have a great program and doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, or going down to uh, St. Paul's Fish Market in downtown Milwaukee, or mm-hmm. they actually have one in uh, uh, right up the road here in Mequon now. You well, know, really? getting with yeah, so All getting right. or going to Empire over in Wauwatosa, <laughs> so you're able to actually get the same kind of fish that we're getting in, at, you know, a few days earlier than what you probably would find in that, like your local store down the road mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. Um, Greg, I'm going to mm-hmm. hand it over to you. Everybody that's listening now, this is that time where if you're a, a just a little bit of a chef, we're going to throw out some, like, how do you make a burger just a little bit better <laughs> on the grill? Uh, Greg, you go with your questions. Yeah. I've taken up all of your time. So I, I would even put it. I like, I would never like, we're, we're talking to the cooks in the crowd. Like, like you're, you're that home cook and mm-hmm. still making great stuff. Your family still loves it. And I will say that's one of the things that really got me into cooking as well as like, like when John comes up and he's got his family with him and I'm out on my smoker and it's just so much fun to, to bring something in that you've worked. Like maybe I was up at five smoking something and then I bring it out. I'm like, okay, here we go. And to see everybody's face light up, especially like Ursula's face, his, his wife, yeah. because because I know she she eats a lot of fine foods. And so if I can impress her, then I feel like I've accomplished something. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that's a like for the people that are are at home, just like you know, doing what has now been called white people taco night, which is just everything you bought from the store. I mean, how do you? <laughs> I've never like, heard of that. You never heard of that? No. What okay. what is that? Um yeah, it's a taco night is just, you know, ground beef from the grocery store. You've got tortillas from the grocery store. Like you're not doing anything from scratch. It's oh, it's all oh, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I like, thought you were tacos. Like a, okay. I yeah, thought you you've got your Okay. All right. You, I know you've got talking. like your taco packet. You're not like yes, doing yes, the spices yes. yourself. You're just doing this, throwing yeah. some water in there and sprinkling on. What I thought you meant was whatever's left in the fridge, we're just going to throw in and make it a oh, sort of taco no. thing. <laughs> no, my mom <laughs> called that talking. casserole. Okay. Yeah. That's a casserole. All right. Why go ahead. Even shredded carrots. What's going on? We uh, call it stuff. I'm like, no. 
It's not good. No, it's, oh. the, it's the principle of the walking taco where you like get the Doritos bag and you throw everything, you crush it up yeah. and throw everything into the Dorito bag. Which I found out has become huge at graduation parties. Um, Absolutely. So like, how do you make some of that stuff better? Like, like pick a cut. Like what would you do if you just have ground beef, you're making burgers? What would you do? Or add something. What would, what would you add that anybody can add to a, to a burger to make it better on a Friday? Right. So this is one of my favorite things. I use it at the restaurant all the time. Um, it's actually called mushroom powder. Mushroom powder. Yes, it's heard a mushroom that. powder. So it's mushroom seasoning. Okay. So it's a dehydrated mushroom um, that they actually pelletize with a little bit of salt into it. So it actually is using the natural MSG that is within mushrooms to actually season and give you that umami flavor uh, uh, that they're talking for. So that little savoriness that's in there. What flavor did so, you say it was? Unami? Umami. So not like, unagi. No, not that's unagi. something, that's something <laughs> no, else. No, no. Shout out to friends. Go ahead. Yeah, I didn't know you were becoming Ross over there. So <laughs> Every chance he gets. Chance. I helped him pick up a couch a couple weeks ago. Guess what he said? <laughs> that's fucking true. As soon as we picked it up, pivot. We're going straight, John. Come on. <laughs> All right, so uh, mushroom <laughs> so powder. Mushroom powder, yeah. yeah. Um, so it actually gives you, you know, a great umami flavor, which is another flavor that you actually get on your tongue, um, and it actually gives you that savoriness. So it's almost kind of like, like it gives you the point where you're thinking to yourself, "I really want to have another bite of this," because yeah. you're just savoring it in the back of your mouth. Yeah. Your mouth starts to water, and you're really just getting it just right all on your tongue. Okay. See, now I'm so, thinking about what if I were to do that in a meatloaf. Because I've been smoking meatloaf. Lately. It goes great on everything. You can put it in your risotto. Ooh. Okay. All right. Oh, sorry. I almost <laughs> lost you there. That's all right. <laughs> hey, great um, look at the ceiling. Um, what kind of cheese would you add to a burger? I love Hooks cheddar cheese. So uh, oh, Hooks is great. Hooks, yeah. So I use the Hooks five year all the time on our burgers uh, yeah. at the restaurant. <laughs> I am just not having very much success with my child's iPad. For those right of you that are listening, he keeps his phone keeps dropping. Or... <laughs> so, oh, hey, or did we lose him? No, oh, no, no, he needs to plug back in. Yeah. We can still hear him. Go ahead. There we go. Yep. I just had to instead of doing the long ways, I had to turn it so it doesn't keep falling. Um, so I use Hooks cheddar cheese a lot. Another one is uh, if you're a blue cheese fan, is uh, Roth case buttermilk blue. Um, absolutely uh, beautiful blue cheese. It's not overly pungent. It's not overly um, blue cheese. It doesn't have too much funk. It just it has that right amount of proportion of funk and flavor to it. Nice. Awesome. Uh, the other one too is bacon. Oh, yes. All right. Yeah. All right. So you know, I thought that was a sh- given. I thought bacon <laughs> was a given. Yep. Your oh yep. my gosh, your candied bacon that you had. Oh. I could have had handfuls of that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's actually really funny because everybody, when we're actually making it, they come over because it's just coming right out of the oven. And I feel like yeah. as soon as you open that door, it's just like herds of people come to the oh kitchen like, God. is that the candied bacon? <laughs> yes. Can I can I have some? No. I actually, <laughs> like we need it for service. We, during the, the Bloody Mary thing, they had 
uh, poppers, jalapeno poppers and the candy bacon. And we walked away. And one person I was with, she's like, I don't really like bacon. I'm like, I'll trade you a popper for more candy bacon. (laughs) And we made that deal. You know, and and to be honest, that's the same Bloody Mary that we actually do for Sunday, Saturday and Sunday brunches. See, what what it especially with Bloody Marys, because I I love a good Bloody Mary. Yeah. Um, It's one of those things where you see, you know, these people that just stack like sides or like they pull a, put a sliders on it or a full burger. I mean, all that little fried chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is, is fine. I mean, all those kind of garnishes are just, you know, parts of a meal are fine. But then when you taste the Bloody Mary, if it's, like super thin and like no flavor to it. You're like, like all that stuff on top doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. You, you have a crappy bloody Mary. I loved yours. Yours was actually, Thank I you. think, I think, uh, yeah, yours was my top vote for that. Well, conference. we've already won, uh, two awards in Lake country area for that bloody Mary. Yeah. So we won nice. the competition that day, uh, for best bloody. And then, uh, we had a throwdown with a couple other restaurants in the area. Oh, we that's that right. Competition. Yep. Yep. So you see that, you know, it is, it's a, you know, I think it's a great combination. It, it has that sweet and spiciness to it, but it's not overly one way or the other. It's just a yeah. perfect uh, balance uh, between the two of them. So a lot of people have, you know, it's not too spicy and not too heavy on the horseradish or, and, or on the pepper itself. And it just has that great balance and, it kind of has that good harmony in it. There was one, I don't even remember where it was, uh, in that contest that they were using a dill pickle vodka. And I went, don't do that again. That was bad. <laughs> yeah, that <doesn't laughs> just do straight up. Just use straight you know, up. I, I did vodka. not hear of, I didn't, I didn't hear of anybody using that one. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, I can tell you off air. I don't want to call them out. Cause I mean, they're, a no, staff, please don't do that. But, you know, but I'm not that was, the, not about that. Yeah. But. Um, but yeah, it was, it was bad. It, it, yeah, it they tried. Of, didn't work. I bet it was one of those things where they had like a case of it and they're like, well, let's just get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was dropped off from the vendors yeah. for free. Yeah. And now we're stuck with it. Um, no, uh, you know, we use Jones Cherrywood smoked bacon. Uh-huh. Um, uh, you know, a phenomenal company. Another great one is Newski's. Um, so they're, they come from up north. Um, if you want something that's like really like heavy on the smoke, um, yeah. they're actually a great one. So they're like, it kind of is just like when you really just open up that barbecue grill for the first time after your um, beautiful pork butt's done. That's just kind of the intensity that it hits you with. Oh, nice. Uh, as far as otherwise for burgers, um, I would actually have to say, I love actually doing some blackened seasoning on it sometimes. Okay, and doing that with the uh, blackened seasoning and doing it with uh, either a beautiful blue cheese or uh, bake like doing like a little bit of brie on top of it, oh, there and you then go. finishing okay. off with a little bit of uh, Colonel Past Worcestershire sauce. Oh, nice! Yeah, it's say that one more time, please. Colonel Past Worcestershire sauce. I love that stuff. I use it all the time. I'm not even going to try to spell Worcestershire sauce. But I I I, I hate actually having when people actually make me say it too. (laughs) No matter what, I can never say it right. Um, And then doing a little bit of like uh, pickled uh, shallots or red onion on top of that burger. 
Sounds good. Greg, what 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 other what other whole meals? Oh man. I mean we've we've nailed craft macaroni and cheese. Like you can't top it. (laughs) I guess you can't. What's interesting is I mean, part of uh one of the reasons that I'm actually on TikTok, I mean, is not just because I want to keep up with my kids, but there are so many uh cooks and chefs on there that are Ooh. just doing stuff and my COVID hobby has been uh smoking like trying to nail down texas barbecue and, and really getting into that and Ooh. there are so many guys on there that are well women too but um that they're just hey here's what you do there's there's one guy and everybody's trying to get uh gordon ramsey's attention so like they're tagging him and everything and sometimes he responds um but it's just you know, people making some really good stuff. And mm-hmm. one guy takes Kraft Mac and cheese and like makes it better. And, and he's like, you start with this. And he's like, don't follow the recipe on the box, you know, do it like this. And he and like making a roux and, and, and you know, mm-hmm. things like that. And so if, I mean, for anybody that's looking for creative stuff and you don't think you're a good cook, there are people on TikTok that it, I think they call it cook talk. But um, if you can search that hashtag, you're gonna come up with doable stuff like okay stuff that... I, I'm, I'm not really on tiktok i think i have one video on there because my daughter <laughs> goes daddy i saw you on tiktok because we do it for the restaurant right and she goes i want to make a tiktok and my wife's just like how do you know how to make a tiktok and she just keeps <laughs> telling me like can we make a tiktok daddy and i'm just like uh you no, dancing come... you know, i was gonna dance? say do those dancing stuff man yeah come on. you know so um yeah it, it's you know, I, I've seen some of those ones where they actually do have Gordon Ramsay on there. And yeah. You see him just like turning around and yelling at him, like, "No, don't do that! Why are you doing this?" <laughs> yeah. Oh, everybody a donut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it reminds me of that the, the sandwich that you were talking about. The yes, sandwich, the, the idiot shit sandwich. sandwich. Yeah. I'm an idiot sandwich. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I was happy to hear that. Like that doesn't happen in in uh, most restaurants now. I'm it's good. very happy to hear that. To be honest. That that doesn't happen as much as we're led to believe that it does happen. Because I always had this idea that when you're on, when you guys are working, it is a highly stressful. Actually, I have a question for you, Chris, because this blows my mind. I can't figure this out. Is there a culinary secret to timing foods? Like timing the vegetables to go with the meat at the right time so everything's hot and, you know, like where's... What is there? Is there a culinary secret? Please tell me there's a culinary secret. <laughs> you know, it, it's a little different when you're cooking at home, you okay. know, as to when like you should start your vegetables and you know how big of a space you actually have. Because now, mind you, you have what most now are between four, five, six burners at your house in a common household. Yeah, I'm um, you know, we're cooking with you know, 20 burners and we have oh, way okay. more people, you know, cooking that. So we have, um, you know, about four or five people working our line, uh, on a busy night, um, actually cooking. Um, so it's, it's all about communication because we, we've actually gotten it down to, you can time exactly how long each steak stays to get medium. Well, because when we cut our steaks, you try to stay consistent in your ordering roughly about the same size product. So when you're cutting it down, it's, you know, your New York strips are always going to be two inches thick, you Mm -hmm. know, to get the same size, you know, 16 ounce cut. So it should take 
exactly eight minutes for it to get to medium rare plus your resting time you're adding extra like a little five ten minute rest onto it you mm-hmm. know or resting it longer to 15 minutes um before it goes out so you actually the guys are consistently talking back and forth to each other along with me at the pass because i can be like when are you you know how far out are you on this day cool go ahead and start coming up on the veg and start going off on the sides on this i need it in five minutes so it's kind of like a you know an orchestra you know the conductor is actually up there and like hey i need this i need this and you have to coordinate it all together so it's learning Um, it's learning each other's it's learning it it's like like you said i'm Keep talking. I'm stupid. Go I was going to say it's like a dance. Like everybody's yeah, it got, is. The, it everybody's is. got uh, their role and everybody's playing it out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, you know, the team has to function together because if one person is out of tune in the band, you know, the whole, you know, band sounds horrible. It's the same way in the kitchen. You know, if one person's off on a night, you can literally just sink your whole kitchen because and get behind because the one person can't keep up or something's happening. So, mm-hmm you have to realize that that person is starting to struggle to actually then all right hey you have to either move somebody around or i have to get somebody else to come in so i can jump on the line and actually help them out and dig them out of the hole and right you know it's it's all kind of how you can what is the best way to put it uh organized chaos is basically okay what it is. yeah so it's yeah. like a football play Everybody's Absolutely. got their responsibility. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it can you change know. on a dime depending Absolutely. on what the defense is giving you. Exactly. You okay. know, it, it all it also stems all the way down to the people that are washing your dishes. You know, if why is that not, you need pans to cook. Uh-huh. You know, so if the pans aren't getting washed up and you know brought back fast enough, you know, you're slowing the cooks down because they're then having to stop, you know, stop cooking and then go run and help and you know, scrub pans up so they can come back and, you know, start firing food back off. So, you know, it's a vital part, you know, the same person that makes your salads and your appetizers has got to be strong because they are setting the tone for the rest of the kitchen. So if all of a sudden they go crazy and just make a bunch of dishes up and just tries to send them out now, making sure they're hundred percent accurate as being fast is also important. So if they send it all out there and all of a sudden your entire restaurant gets fired off at the same time. Mm-hmm. You're talking like 60, 70 steaks, you know, at one time for one person to keep track of, which is pretty much not possible. Yeah. I would <laughs> and making sure they're hundred percent. Right. Um, so you really have to have your anchors in place around the kitchen. So those anchors can help support the rest of the staff that are maybe new and are still in training yeah um and you know working with them on speed and consistency at the same time too so it's they really without being verbal in a kitchen talking to each other you know and simple is like hey i'm behind you because you don't want to turn around and get saute pan that's you know blazing hot you know and get a burn or something like that or Mm -hmm. get a knife stuck in your back and you know because it's you know, we're doing a lot of dangerous stuff back there. I mean, you got fire, you got oil, you got alcohol mm-hmm. from, you know, alcohol because you're using it for cooking, not because you're drinking it. Sure. Um, but, <laughs> you know, maybe at home you are. Um, oh, I definitely. But we're also working in very tight spaces, too. Right. Um, so a lot of places, you know, uh, 
you know, like they show like on Hell's Kitchen and all that kind of stuff where this is huge area and it's open space. Not all kitchens are like that. You know, I've worked in a kitchen where you could barely open the oven and the cooler door at the same time because the two mm. of them hit, you know. So it's one of those things where you have to be really cognizant of what's actually going around you all the time. Yeah. So I, I, I know we're well over an hour, so I don't want to take up I don't too much care. more time. Keep going, Greg. This so, is awesome. Oh, I'm fine. Keep going. <clears throat> well, the one I question. tomorrow I, off. The, uh, <laughs> it, so we do a lot of movie like reviews, a lot of movie talk, stuff like mm-hmm. that. And uh, I do watch a lot of movies that have to do with like chefs and food. So I'm really curious, what what is your favorite chef movie? And then which one would be the most realistic that you've seen? Uh, movie Burnt. Oh, oh with uh, uh, Bradley Cooper? Yes. Yeah. Is yeah. the most, is favorite and most realistic or? It's favorite and most realistic because that's exactly what it's like um, in the kitchens. You know, me growing up a little bit more with his with his actions was a little bit more old school. Like you'll see that with a lot more of the uh, French and German chefs. Like when I grew mm-hmm. up with, uh, and that's where you get a little bit more of like the saute pans being thrown. Um, you know, but as you actually see the way he goes towards and moves towards the end of the movie where they're actually focusing and they're working as a team and as a family together. That's how it is nowadays. Okay. You know, in the kitchens, um, you know, at least in my kitchen it is, and I hope it is in everybody else's too, um, where they all come together, but it's literally where you're having to be talking about when the Michelin comes in, that everything has to be perfect because you never know what's going to happen. You don't know who's going to come walking through the door. You know, mm-hmm. I had a high-ranking uh, general actually come in and eat at Coco's the other day. Nice. And, you know, walked in, didn't even know who he was. And until he got up and left and his parents were like, yeah, that's our son. And he's, you know, blah, 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 blah in the military. And I was just like, <laughs> What? Yeah, wow. So you, you don't know who's going to walk through that door. So you got to be a hundred percent on the point all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going back to everybody can cook at home. What's a chicken? What What's something you could put on chicken that would make chicken ooh la la ish? <laughs> Grab a Miller Lite and shove it up the rear end and make beer can yeah. chicken. Yeah. Okay. All Get right. Chicken thrown. Absolutely. Uh, no, I uh, really like using a mixture that I do is uh, a little bit of garlic powder, onion powder, um, and then rub it down with a little bit of paprika. Um, you can do brown sugar if you want, but you have to do it at a lower temp because otherwise it's going to make the rest of the chicken burn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Would you add that in earlier or later? No, I do it on the rub. Yeah, so you just have to make sure you uh, watch that. A little bit of paprika, cayenne. Um, a little bit of uh, lemon zest, and then if you can get um, some beautiful uh, butter and soften it and actually rub it up underneath the skin of the chicken itself. Okay. But actually, let me go back to something. You said butter. What is the best butter? There are thousands of freaking butters out there now, and especially if you go to Whole Foods, there's like oat butter, and there's coconut butter, and there's... 
like what's a what like what's bullshit butter versus versus like the best butter you should use for like just cooking in general i only know of one butter and that's uh regular butter Regular butter. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Salted or unsalted? Uh, well, no, it's, it, it all depends on what you're actually using it for. So, uh, like, our the butter that we actually do for service uh, to make our service butter is actually salted butter. Okay. Um, you know, there's different applications for when to use it, when not to use it. Um, you know, otherwise, on the line, we're just using regular uh, unsalted butter. Um, and, you know, it's... To me, it's, you know, with all the different variety of diets that we have out there, each each of these butters now have a purpose for people, mm, right. you know, because now we're getting the world of, you know, food allergies and substitutions and some people can't have this versus some people can have this or this or this or, you know, and they all have their place. Um, but for me, that's why it's like, you know, I really have never had someone come in yet and say, hey, I have an olive allergy. So that's why I use olive oil a lot. Mm. It's healthy. It's nutritious, you know, and a lot of people don't even realize it's actually great for your body to actually even just take a shot of olive oil a day. Oh, I didn't know that. So, yep. Um, so it has so many health benefits actually to uh, itself. Um, now you have to be careful with, uh, you know, what kind of olive oil you're buying because mm -hmm. you're making sure it's not necessarily a, a blend. Um so you can actually use a, a blend to where you can get it because olive oil burns at a lower temp than like canola oil or like what you would put in a deep fryer. Mm -hmm. So they've now created the blends and all that kind of stuff. So you really have to kind of watch out. Like, are there, you know, all the polyunsaturated fats and monounsaturated fats and all this other kind of stuff that they're putting into it nowadays. So that's why I like to go with a good, beautiful olive oil that we actually get in uh from sonio toscano uh comes directly out of italy yeah so california is also making some be uh, beautiful uh olive oil as well um so they have some really good olive uh productions out there but unfortunately with a lot of fires that they've had lately some of those mm -hmm. olive groves have uh unfortunately suffered <clears throat> yeah And when I was there, I noticed you guys, because um, we we're talking a lot about food, but I mean, you guys have a very impressive bar and wine list. Absolutely. Is that coming? No, I, I mean, are you curating that or is that uh, mostly the, so you have, like a liquor actually, guy? Or? Uh, yeah. So that is actually um, my partner in crime, uh, Steve. Uh, he is my AGM and beverage coordinator. Uh, he's got a huge passion for bourbons and scotches yeah and yeah that, I mean, now you're talking that's to what us. i noticed yeah. was the bourbon now you're talking to absolutely. us absolutely um and we actually just bought the space next door to us so we are expanding um so we are actually making a bigger bar floor to ceiling um so that way that you can actually have uh way more additions to the bourbon and scotch collection that we have mm -hmm. right now nice um we also, just got in a uh, McAllen 65 year. Oh, so I mean, it is beautiful. How um, much? How I, much for it? For uh, for an ounce? You know, I believe one ounce pour is going for 175. Yeah, 175. Wow. And that is not our most expensive one. No. Have no. you tried those? I have. I yeah. Have. 
And I, I'm lucky enough to actually. Yep, that's 175. <laughs> There, there's there's definitely times it's like where you, you I've, I've drunk stuff before and it's like you know why why would anyone pay for that yeah. it's just it's horrible you know I mean I might as well just go and drink Jack Daniels and right I'd be fine with that shame on you, you know? but go but, ahead. you know uh, we have a McAllen uh, M in right now as well um, and I believe it was there's only 750 bottles in the world and there's only two bottles in the state of Wisconsin and there's 47 bottles only available in the United States. And you have one of them. And we have one of them. Nice. Nice. So you're looking at $350 for four. Holy cow. For (laughs) one ounce. For one ounce. Holy shit. I'd have to pass on that. (laughs) Yeah. I will tell you this. Chris, I'm actually trying to sit here and think, all right, how can I how can I figure that out? (laughs) I will tell you this, and I'm not a huge scotch guy because I'm I I don't really like the peatiness. Okay. uh, Mostly because of a um a bad um experience in uh, college and waking up and taking a drink out of a beer can and having just a bunch of cigarette butts in it. Oh, You know, so that's what the Pete reminds me of. And every time I just sit there, it, it just, that memory comes Ain't back. Okay. Like, yep. Understood. Yep. No, not not going for that. Um, but the M and the 65-year, like, there's not a lot of Pete to it. It's just very smooth. It's very well balanced. And it's just like, it's one of those ones that just makes you sit there and close your eyes. Yeah. Because you just want to sit there and savor each little tiny drop. Wow. Well, Greg, maybe you and I can... Split so, one? No. Yeah, split one. Split <laughs> one ounce. We're coming in with eyedroppers. Just be like, okay, this one, this is this one's mine. You know, I might know a guy that works there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Um, yeah. But it's you know our the stuff that Steve is doing is absolutely amazing. Uh, with our resident mixologists that we have there, uh, Dan and Luke uh and justin that we have there as well and a few other uh rachel uh is a great asset she's phenomenal with our wine selections um and we have a few other new members that are joining on as well that have become really really strong with uh pairing the wine with the food Mm. Uh, and that's something that we take pride on is like our servers and all of our staff gets to taste everything you know, they have to taste the food. They have to taste the wine to actually understand what is actually going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, how to pair a, everything. That's a good point because you know what? <laughs> Call it, shout out to Peter Griffin. You know what really grinds my gears <laughs> is when um is when you ask somebody, "Hey, um, what is this?" You ask them on a dish, and they're like, "Yeah, I've never had that." Yeah. Mm-hmm. That like that makes me go, "All right, so." Should I have it then? If you've never had it, like you work here every day, and yeah, you know, so shout out I to people that are that are actually in the service industry. Try all your food. Yeah, yeah. You know, I know you had the uh, flat iron wagyu, the American wagyu, yes. when you came in, Greg. Yep. Um, we had a whole show to it. We did. <laughs> we did. We did a whole show to Wagyu. Oh I had God. no idea what Wagyu was, and Greg educated me on it. So okay. good. <laughs> well, when you nailed down the date that you were coming up here, Johnny, yes, I will actually have A5 Wagyu flown in from Japan oh. just for you guys. Oh. And I'll oh. bring it in. Oh. That's huge. 
That, so. Chris, you, you don't have to, but you have to now because you said it. It's on air. <laughs> True. Um, well, I, but we, that's, we do that's have every once in a while at the restaurant. So, you know. Incredibly generous. Thank you, sir. That, that's you know, awesome. It is, it is an amazing experience. And it's one of those things. It's like you have to try it once. And that's yeah. everything. Ursula's going to be so staff. It's like <laughs> <laughs> That's my wife. She's going to be so pissed. <laughs> Cause she's a foodie, man. But I'll no, you know, another time I will bring up there, and you know, I'll have to uh, yeah. have her try wagyu for sure. Absolutely, awesome. Uh, awesome. But it's one of those things. It's 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 definitely one of those things. Like, is it worth it? Yes. But it's like one of those things. It's like you have to try everything once, and that's what I tell my staff. And it's like, yeah. you may not like it, you may hate it, you know, just because it's you know, you're not used to the texture or something like mm-hmm. that, or the flavor. Just some people are just like, hey. I just really, really hate seafood because I don't like the texture. Yeah. And, you know, especially like calamari or something like that that you were talking about earlier. It's just like, I can't, or like fish row. Right. It's like, I don't care. You know, that's fine. I understand it. I respect it. But uh, at least want you to know to be able to explain to a guest. Absolutely. And where to be like, yeah. hey, you know, can you tell me about your special tonight? And they're like, yeah, it's this. Okay, can you tell me anything a little bit more about it? What does it taste like? You know, any flavors that we should be aware of? And they're like, "Yeah, uh, we haven't tasted any of the food here," and it's just like that's the wrong thing that you need to be doing. So it's like your your servers are out there to help and guide and create that whole experience for your guests when they're in your restaurant, and that's one of the key fundamentals that we're focusing on. Is you know having our guests actually have that full experience from the wine and Steve's beverage program that he's got going on and the food and desserts and just the whole experience as a whole and taking it all in and soaking it all in actually just yeah. sitting there and having that experience. And that's what we're all about at Coco's. Um, I've, I've never been much or I have, I've never been a wine guy. Like, like I've, I've done bourbon. I've done like other things. And so when, when the wine list comes out and I'm like, well, it looks like you have red and white. (laughs) And And that's as far as I go. But I mean, just, yeah. I mean, when you're, when you're at a nice place like Coco's and, and, and cause I'm an idiot on that. I mean, I just don't know. So I rely on that staff suggestion of like, okay, here's what I'm ordering. What would you, what goes with? I don't know. Yeah, um, I still suck with bourbon there, but yeah, it's it's always a hard thing to do. You know, it's because like a lot of people are like, well, I can't, you know, I can't really justify spending three hundred and fifty dollars on a bottle, mm-hmm. you know, or you know, but fifty dollars a bottle, you know, there are great wines that you can get that are fifty dollars a bottle that you would taste right next to a three hundred and fifty dollar bottle and be like. I kind of like that $50 bottle better, mm-hmm. but it's all about on the winemaker themselves and actually how they crafted it and, and their love and attention and detail and that it actually goes into the wine. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, some of the championship wines that I've heard of, um, in the last couple of years are sold at Aldi's. Mm-hmm. Really? Cause yeah, yeah, they're, they're like, they're, they're an Aldi brand or, or they carry them and they're like, that's a championship wine. We have a um, we have a, a a small little grocery store around this area. Um, it's called Fresh Market, and yeah. okay, and they have wines for 
I think it's $20 or less. And it's like this point system or something like that. And there's mm. some really good wines for like 20 bucks, you know? Absolutely. And again, I'm not, I'm not, I would say I'm a little bit more of a wine guy than Greg is, but when it comes to sitting down and look and like Greg said, like looking at a, a menu I'm about to have and, and picking the Wagyu, I would have no idea. I would think I would, I would think I need a red wine, but I wouldn't know what type would it be a like a Merlot? Would it be a um, what's my favorite kind? Uh, I can't think of my favorite guy. But anyway, well, it's like the questions is like, do you like dry, sweet? Do you like? Yeah, more? exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and like, you start getting into those, and once you start being like, yes, you know, I like things to be a little bit more citrus. I like to have a little bit more oak, or I like to have a little bit more earthy flavor to it. Yeah. Or do I like having cassis and all this other stuff into it? And from there, I can tell you exactly which way we're going to go. Would you, would mm. you, is, is there a good whiskey or bourbon for a steak? Yes. Absolutely. What, what, Absolutely. what, what's, what's a, what's a really good one? So, uh, I actually wound up taking, which one was it? I did take a rye. I did two different ones. Mm-hmm. I believe it was. Uh, it was not Makers, it, Basil Hayden. Okay. So yeah. I took uh, the Basil Hayden rye, and uh, we wound up uh, taking a prime New York strip, and I dry-aged it for 90 days wrapped in cheesecloth and herbs. Oh. And every day I poured Basil Hayden rye over the cheesecloth, and it soaks it in. Yep. So it becomes a rye-aged <clears throat> dry That sounds steak. amazing. That does so sound amazing. It actually, actually infuses with it, mm-hmm. um, and the rye turned out great. We also did the regular basil Hayden, uh, but I did their um, barrel proof basil Hayden. Basil uh, Hayden. So that's yeah, a good one. It actually, works out phenomenal. Um, it's the whiskey actually really does complement it. It adds a little sweetness to it. Um, you really get that rye coming through, um, <clears throat> and actually being able to kind of taste a little bit of the grass and the grains that are within the beef itself uh i learned a lot of my cooking from my uncle and one of the first things he taught my brother and i was just it was a it's an overnight marinade um and it's you know you can't use a cheap whiskey so i mean and by cheap i I mean you're not you know it's not bottom shelf um I use makers most of the time. Uh, yeah. So it's, so it's, I use makers, uh, mm-hmm. some Worcestershire onions and garlic. And Absolutely. then, and then you try to do four hours aside. So it's about mm-hmm. eight hours <clears throat> or just, you know, drown it and, and leave it overnight. Absolutely. And then, yeah, just make that on a steak. And oh, it, first off, it makes the house smell great. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, yeah why don't yeah. they have that for deodorant? Like, why don't they have those smells? Right? You smell like a drunk. I mean, now it now it's like, no, no, I mean like why not have like steak? Like, remember that movie Michael? They were like the girls were all like, he smells oh, yeah. like cookies. Like, yeah. why wouldn't they have a cookie scent for a guy for deodorant instead of redwood? The Old spice is gonna come up with something like that, but they're gonna call it like, you know, you know, Eagle's breath or something. I mean, they're gonna <laughs> some kind of weird name. I'm not gonna lie, I have not had anyone to come up and be like, hey. Can I smell you after a long shift of cooking all your steaks? <laughs> I'm just—I I think I would literally. But if you're like, working all day in front of the candied bacon, can't imagine you smell that bad. 
<laughs> you know, when it's uh, when you're working next to a 1200 degree grill yeah, and all the extra equipment that's you know 500 degrees and is that is that all the time all the time all like the time. that all the time. Jesus, uh, I think our ambient air temperature in our kitchen yesterday was 105. Oh, so on the really uh, what was it 90 at your at your place yesterday anywhere? Yeah, it was like 92, I think it was out by us. 92. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a rough day. But, I mean, but that's all the time, it, that's right? Even with the AC like running. Yeah. You know? But when you have that amount of heat in the kitchen, that's just ambient air temperature. You, how are you not just like dripping sweat? <laughs> all in all the food. <laughs> I know that sounds bad. Um, and I know you're not. But I, I remember working I in college I worked at a cheese factory one summer and it got super hot. And watching these cheesemakers as we're mm-hmm. You know, cutting and flipping, and it's into the vat. And I'm like watching. I'm like, oh, I think he's just sweating straight. <laughs> Chris, Chris, Chris. When he talks about that, he talked about that one other time. Don't you picture Napoleon Dynamite at that job? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was by far the worst job I ever had in college. <laughs> I totally picture I mean, Napoleon Dynamite job with Tina, the chicken. Eat the ham. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Damn. They get tang and what is it? Eggs and for like, like weird eggs that he's like mixing for like with lunch. his arm. So are you trying to say I should take something with tang and make a make a dish with orange hey, tang in it? Yeah, and call sure. it Greg. <laughs> oh, come on. Oh, hey, that's something you could do. Come up with something called Johnny and the Greg. So it would be like a, a really good dinner with a dessert. It'd be the Johnny and the Greg. I, I think we could do something. That would be I might awesome. name a drink after you guys. That'll work. That'll I work. Could do. That yes. I could do. Yes. I had, uh, a, I had a couple. They were doing, uh, what are you doing? You're doing old fashions, but it was like with a, had a black cherry in it. I can't remember what it was. Cherry cherry. Oh, that's, oh my. It was, I had more than a couple of those when I was there. Yeah. It was fantastic. And then they, since it was, they my, go down, they go down really nicely. Oh, they did. And uh, they, did. they sneak up on you. <laughs> um, and then, well, it was funny cause they came out and they're like, Hey, it's your birthday. You get a dessert. And I'm like, um, can I skip the dessert cake and stuff and just have another dessert drink from the bar? <laughs> so <laughs> then I had a chocolate martini cause they're like, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. So that was, it was fantastic. Chocolate martini. You know, that's one of my things is, uh, you know, it's, is my, my wife would probably say, she's like, you know, I'd rather you guys eat dessert first, you know? Um, she has that kind of mentality to it, and I love her to death for it because, you know, she makes some awesome desserts. I'm um, sure. Quite simply amazing, and I, I think I would probably weigh a little bit less if I was not married to her. Oh, um, happy. You know, absolutely. That, that's the way to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's one of those things where I've had people come up to me and like, you know, you can never trust a skinny chef. Uh, that's the, that's, that's the, you know, what you're very thought right with that. Into my yes. mind, and I'm like, you know, I'm, so, you know, I'll take that. But, you know, um, like I said, you know, Steve's got a great program uh, with our cocktails and wines. And, um, and he's really, really knocking it out of the park. And we're able to, to get some really interesting ones that are in, you know, everybody's looking for Blanton's. You know, yeah, Blanton's is yeah. one of those ones that is, it's just so hard to come by. Yep. And, uh, so whiskey, for whatever John. odd reason, he's able to get to within our vendors, and sure enough, there's Blanton's coming in. And like it, as soon as like somebody comes in and hears that we have Blanton's, it's just like you see like twenty people just rush in the door to buy the yeah. rest of the bottle, and you're just like, "What's it called?" 
Blanton's. Blanton's. It's like a roundish bottle, and it's funny. A little my, horse figure on top with yeah. a jockey on it. My, okay. uh, I'll keep my eye open. My uncle that taught me in the ways of steak and bourbon. Um, he's probably going to comment on here because once I was in middle school, middle school, mind you, and he's like, well, we can make steaks. And I was like, can we have pizza? And I, he will not let me live it down years later. Um, but he at a, his past Christmas party that we were at, he takes me down. He just built a bar in his basement and he shows me like the bourbon wall. He's like, you can have anything on there. He's like, except the Blanton's. You can't have that. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, well, sure, that makes sense. And I said, honestly, I just read an article where people were talking about they don't understand the price point for Blanton's. Like they think it's way overpriced. And he's like, what? And I was like, well, yeah. So sure enough, he pours me some Blanton's. And I'm like, well, okay, all right. It was good. I mean, yeah. I'm 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 not gonna rag on it. I'm I'm not buying a bottle, but uh, yeah, I think it's one of those things that's like each bottle is fairly consistent with the next bottle. You know, yeah, it's yeah. they have a uh, a great priced, uh, you know, middle of the road uh, whiskey that's enjoyable. Yeah, I, I think I want to say like two seventy five or two fifty retail is what it's at right now. No, one twenty five. One twenty five. Okay. You'll, if you go onto the alcohol sites on, on uh, online and try to buy it off somebody, yeah, that you're gonna maybe pay that's like what I saw two hundred and fifty dollars, yeah. but I believe it's like one hundred and twenty-five for a bottle, if I remember correctly. Okay, um, but yeah, you'll get onto those group chats, and because they're so hard to find right now, people are just yeah. jacking up the price on it, and that's why everybody thinks it's such supply a crazy and, bottle. Supply and demand. It's just it's it's hard to find right now because <clears throat> with COVID, a lot of the yeah distilleries are having troubles actually getting the bottles made so they're oh, not able to get their sure. glasses in so, oh yeah is that, uh, is that out of just... kentucky is it a kentucky bourbon or is it a something else blends i remember i believe it is out of kentucky okay. um that makes sense the... for the jockey i want to say who was it recently um maker's mark Maker's Mark had a problem with actually getting their bottles in. Really? Oh, really? Because there was a shortage of actual supply to make their glass bottles. So they had had plenty of product ready to go. Mm -hmm. They didn't have the bottles to then ship it. I've been on that tour. It's a cool tour. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that that whole, uh, you know, bourbon trail. Yeah, we've done it. Yeah, we've talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think we should, the three of us. I'm, I'm old. If you're game. cooking every night, I am down. <laughs> Absolutely. And not only that, not only that, Chris, I would love to like pick up just one or two little, 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 little nuggets of of knowledge from you in terms of just have, cooking, like just the smallest little things out there. Have you thought about doing like master class kind of stuff, or like, or oh, like yeah. community classes or anything where people come well, I mean, in? I have people. I you know, I'll go in people's houses and cook privately with them and like i've done you know i'll go and actually teach people or you know while i'm doing parties like people will come up and just sit there and watch and you know i'll show them and i've had groups of uh, people actually at coco's and we'll invite them to the kitchen like on a monday or even late at night Mm -hmm. um, after we're done with service and i've done cooking classes right after dinner service oh i'd be interested in that That yeah me too so you know it's it's a lot of fun because everybody gets in there like wow this you did all this out of this area right here and it's yeah. like yep That's and they're funny. like what happens when you 
have the whole restaurant full. I'm like, gets tight and pretty chaotic, but, you know, we make it through <laughs> the best we can. So I tell some of the best food I've ever had is actually off of a food truck. I mean, yep. that, that's, oh. some, that's some legit food. I mean, and yep. they're working with limited space. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, especially uh, there's the uh, Gabriel's, the uh, Mexican uh, taco yep. truck. Yep. Uh, right there in Oconomowoc. I, it's like once a week and it's just like, I was like, I really want tacos. And like, all of a sudden it's just like, yep. Stop. It's right around the rails. Right around the corner from you, right? Is it's it, literally it like if we went through like our back patio, and we could literally like walk right back to uh, <laughs> behind them nice. uh, and walk right to the truck. So usually we'll send one of the guys. It's like, hey, can you call over and say uh, we'd like 40, 40 tacos, just whatever they got. <laughs> and they, you know, when we first did it, they were just like, you want 40? You said 40 tacos. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're like, for how many people? It's like. Well, you know, there's like 20 two. here, so, yeah, <laughs> <two>. <laughs> So, and they're like, can, can you also throw in some churros with that, please? <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay. So now I go over there, like, ah, chef, how are you? And I'm just like, good. They're like, 40 tacos again? <laughs> not, not today, not for everybody, it's just for today me. I'll take okay. two. Okay, um, I'll just take a couple of them, so. Here's funny i had my son at the the comic book shop in oconomowoc uh yesterday and it's around noonish so it, it was just he and i and i was like well do you want to do you want to get lunch he's like yeah i'm like well, where do you want to go he's like well where can we go i'm like we're in oconomowoc we can go wherever you want what do you want to sit yeah. down please he just he's like well taco bell's back there and i'm like taco bell like oh okay you sure you sure that's what yep Okay, you know, and you're just trying to be like, okay, son, let's let's go. Oh, and uh, nice. as soon as we, so we're driving back home, and we, yeah, we drive by Gabriel's, and he goes, oh, we should have went to the taco truck. And I'm like, yeah, we should have went to the taco truck. Did you go to the Taco Bell? <laughs> yeah, we just hit the Taco Bell right oh. there, and then and then at, he he re- instantly regretted it as we drove by yeah. Gabriel's, and I'm like, yeah, you're hungry five minutes later. Next time, buddy. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, hey, it's, Chris. It's, I'm, Everybody has this question that they throw out, like, how, who, if you could host a dinner party, who would you invite through history? I'm not going to throw that at you. Take away your family, because I think that's going to be the answer. But if you could cook for anybody in the world other than your family, who would you cook for and what would you cook? Dum, dum, dum. Honestly, uh, you know, you know, you were talking about with Gordon Ramsay and all that stuff, but this is actually somebody that, he cooked with and grew up with was actually uh, Marco Pierre White. Marco Pierre White? Marco Pierre, Pierre White. Pierre White. Yep. So the team <clears throat> kind of grew up in the uh, culinary industry and, you know, Marco uh, took uh, Gordon Ramsay on. Um, and Gordon was actually working for Marco for a while. And this guy is someone that, you know, he didn't have a great, you know, growing up and, you know, was, had a lot of problems and issues and all that kind of stuff. And somebody that truly battled his way through, uh, the culinary scene and actually became one of those people that actually was like one of the forerunners of modern day culinary cuisine coming up through that, uh, through, you know, and through like air, uh, repair and, uh, you know, Michelle and all them. And, um, he's just one of those kind of dudes is like guys like, like serious like no bullshit like straight cut 
and you literally just he's one of those guys that would like you look at him and he would like instill fear in you probably okay but his food was phenomenally amazing i and... just saw a picture of him he has a cigarette yeah <laughs> yeah and as he's he wrote, cooking he wrote actually a great book you know it's you know a little different over there you know <laughs> <laughs> you know you know you have your um that, that's the thing you know it's it, everybody's always like you know have your espresso and have your cigarette and let's go yep oh. absolutely <laughs> absolutely that was him in his younger days though <laughs> um but he's just like one of those legends that it would just be like okay I would love to cook for him and probably just get my ass chewed out for whatever I serve. Him. Yeah. Or would I dare say that's your Everest actually? You could probably almost say that would be my Everest. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and you know, it's, it's one of those things that's like, it would be honored for me to actually yeah. get chewed out by him. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, I get it. Absolutely. Yeah. That'd be like a basketball player getting chewed out by Jordan. Tell them like Absolutely. this is how you should actually move. This is what you yeah. should do. This is yeah, I get it. Yeah, because we're we're always evolving. We're always learning. You know, yeah. I, I don't know everything that could be you know out there, and it's one of those things that you progressively just keep learning. Because if you don't, you just become stagnant. Yeah. What does Greg like to say? Progress, progress is moving. Yep, progress is a moving target. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, so, um, you know. Chris, we're two hours in. I would, oh, I was, honest to God, I could sit here for another two and a half hours. We probably might. I don't, not sure, but um, we're gonna, we, we're gonna, we could, but yeah. our listeners would not. Yes. So <laughs> no, we're going you know, we, to, uh, we we're gonna cut this off. If you ever want to get me a list, and then yeah, we just do shit oh, talk every oh, once in a while. Oh, Chris, you don't even have to ask. I've already thought of at least three extra episodes <laughs> with you involved. Um, uh, Chris, involved where can people find you? Vegetarians and. Uh, or vegans and uh, chicken of the woods mushrooms. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Sorry. Where can people find you, Chris? Uh, I am at uh, Coco Seafood and Steakhouse in uh, downtown Oconomowoc, located at 151 St. Paul Street. All right. Yeah. Cool. Greg, anything else you got? No, but, uh, you know, typical is you're going throughout your week and, uh, you know, you're, you're cooking, you're you're doing your things. Uh, kind of how we're going to be signing off is that uh, as you're going through and you're talking to people, know your audience. That's important that you know your audience. Verify your sources. And the third and golden one, don't be a douche. Bingo. Um, the one other thing I wanted to add today, it just popped in my head. If a demigod asks if you're a god, you say you say yes. 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 All right. For Chris, this was awesome, man. Thank you so much. I had a blast. Uh, For Chris, the Greg, this is Johnny. Podcast out, people. Have a terrific day.